This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is the Startup Life the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, we talk about, you know, pitch competitions and and stuff like that quite often, but we actually have a pitch competition winner uh, from uh, the 3686 Entrepreneurship uh, Festival here on the show. She is the founder and CEO, Amber Hayes. Big A, what's going on, Superstar? Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, no worries. No worries. So uh, we definitely want to talk about your journey and we want to talk about, you know, everything else. But are you ready to pour some knowledge in Startup Nation? Because I think you can help us out a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. what, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So one before we get started, I just want to quick give a real quick shout out to our good friends at Launch Tennessee and the Ketna Group for setting up uh, this uh, conversation with Amber. So Amber, if you would just kind of share your origin story a little bit, if you don't mind, ma'am. So my background is in electrical engineering and computer science. I was a lead programmer for two previous startups okay. before going back to the, yeah. So before going back to the corporate world. And uh, at that time, I was a contractor for multiple apartment complexes, as well as working as a manager at a real estate appraisal firm. Okay. So, I, yeah, I just like to do a lot of work is really what it boils down to. Um, with that, just working with a lot of property managers, I realized that their software didn't work with any of our contractor software, and the tenants would still contact me like two, three o'clock in the morning about things I didn't work on. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that my job was easier as well as the property managers. But when I brought the idea to my friend, then uh, before he turned into my CTO, he hated the idea because mm. he was a frustrated tenant. And uh, the type of transparency I wanted to have for the contractors and property managers he thought it would be better off in the tenants as well. So you came up with the idea for Second Keys. And so tell me how's it, how it works. Yeah. So we're a holistic property management platform. So mm-hmm. we do take rent payments, um, maintenance tickets, and everything else. But really what makes us different is that we identify what appliances in your apartment may fail in like a two-week to a two-month period. Okay. So we help predict the future of your dishwasher, washer, dryer. Once it's getting ready to sell, we notify your landlord and say, hey, this might break. You might want to send someone out. And this really helps with budgeting and ROI for the property managers, but also gives tenants a peace of mind knowing that someone actually cares about their issues. Does that, like, you know, understanding that, you know, like something may happen kind of before it happens, does that kind of freak out tenants a little bit? Oh, no. No. A lot of people actually <laughs> like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess the only reason I asked that is because I know we're kind of diving into a world where we're talking about the internet of things, where the internet is talking to our refrigerator, talking to our dishwasher and stuff like that. You know, I was just curious if you, you know, run into those kind of barriers or what are, if, if that's not a barrier, what are those barriers that you find? Yeah. So we don't have that type of barrier. We gotcha. actually don't plug anything into the unit. Gotcha, we just gotcha. use data. But um, the type of problems we do get into is really um, when there's a reactive 
problem that happens, like um, a fan or something breaks. We can't determine when that's going to fail. Right. But they actually put it into the maintenance ticket anyway, or and then it just runs through. Or if it's like complaints that through. It, um, somebody noisy dog, and they don't think anyone's going to see the complaints area, so they still put that in the maintenance ticket. So those are the type of issues we run into, but not anything about, you know, yeah, refrigerator trying to take over the world or anything. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I I appreciate that. I don't know why. I was just thinking. Uh, I'm a '90s kid, so I was just thinking about uh, Pinky oh, and the. Bra- <laughs> I was thinking about Pinky and the Brain when you said that. Uh, just so, <laughs> I appreciate that. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to uh, Amber Hayes, the award-winning uh, entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Second Key. So, you know, and we talk about award-winning because you just recently won a pitch uh, competition at the 3686 Festival. So first, before we get into the competition, kind of tell me about uh, how you found out about the pitch competition and what made you say, you know what, I'm going to do this. Oh, uh, we were actually nominated. Okay. So... <laughs> Yeah, so someone nominated us. I still don't know who, but I'm very thankful. Okay. And we just applied. So that's gotcha. really what happened. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. And, and so once you, you know, found out that you were nominated and stuff like that, you know, tell me about the game plan, the pitch, you know, how did you practice for the pitch, you know, uh, and walk me through that. Oh, so I actually got a pitch coach okay. for all of this. Yeah. Okay. So my background is in engineering. We're not really, um, outgoing people we don't like to right, talk too much right con- so con- yeah very conscientious right <laughs> yes conscientious so i wanted to like make that. sure mm-hmm. gotcha. yeah like that that's gotcha. really what it is okay so i don't mind just two or three people but if it's too many then it freaks me out so mm-hmm. i went and got a pitch coach actually for a bit and then um i got some friends to help me with the video and it turned out fine so that was really the game plan make sure it was a three-minute video make sure my pitch was damn perfect and i had a pitch coach so that's really what it was. Gotcha. So was there ever a moment when, you know, you, you, you're doing your pitch and uh, face those questions? Were there ever a moment during the pitch where you was like, you know what? I may have this in the bag. Was there ever uh, an inkling? No. Ever? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Though I am a very optimistic person, mm-hmm. I don't accept things until I see the money or it's in my account. So gotcha. I was just like, I'll Fair just enough. know when we get there. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. So you, you, you got a pitch coach. Is that something that you would recommend in the future? Uh, do you plan on doing any more pitch competitions? What's the future for you and Second Key? Uh, yeah. So we actually have like three more pitch competitions virtually. To nice. do. Okay. Me and my co-founder actually uh, divvy up different types of pitch competitions. So he has one and I have two more. Gotcha. But um, yeah, the future is really we're currently uh, in raising a new round for our company. Fair enough. So we're pitching to investors almost every day now, at least two investors a day. So it comes in handy and it is very helpful. For sure. So I recommend having a pitch coach for anything. Anybody needs one, they need to get one. Absolutely. So let me ask you this because, you know, we, we actually talked recently to uh, Marcy Harris, Marcy Harris, uh, startup nation. If you remember sits on the board of launch Tennessee and she talked about, you know, building versus raising. We see a lot of companies who are raising money, raising money, raising money, but not necessarily building revenue and building revenue. So I mm-hmm. guess I'm I'm curious about, you know, what's the, the, the game plan you, 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 you know, you win this competition, you, you, you signed up for some more, uh, but what's the goal as far as like scaling second keys? So um, the goal is scaling second keys. So we do go to different property managers and property management groups. Got it. And that can be anywhere between, you know, 40 doors to 500 doors. Mm-hmm. But we are currently speaking to municipalities and we have mm. municipality contract pending for October. So that'll actually bring on 30,000 units and gotcha. that'll be a $8 million contract. So we're working to raise so we can make sure we get that revenue. For but sure. I do understand what she's saying. Right. That some people are just raising it. Right. Sorry, I mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's it. Gotcha. No, it's just that, you know, she brought up an interesting point because like she, you know, she she sits on the board of Launch Tennessee, but she's out in the valley. Right. And so she sees Mm -hmm. a lot of companies out there where like they're literally here today, you know, raising money, raising money, raising money and then gone tomorrow. So I just wanted to kind of ask you about that. Get your commentary 
uh, on that a little bit and kind of see uh, where you were going and stuff like that. But I want to ask you this, because I know you're based here in the, the beautiful land in the world, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, and, and, and I know that also, you know, Star Nation, we're based here in Memphis, Tennessee as well. Um, but I know that there's a lot of real estate, you know, investing going on here in our city, not just in our state of Tennessee, but also here in the city of Memphis. You're talking about a billion dollars, what, what they're calling Union Row, and then another billion dollars mm-hmm. there in the Pinch District and stuff like that. When you think about you and your company uh, and Second Keys, because I, I believe your your office is downtown Memphis, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about Second Keys and being the heart of all this uh, investing and real estate investing and the revitalization of downtown and stuff like that, where do you see Second Keys within the scope of the city of Memphis, in your opinion? So we've been working really hard to mm-hmm. get lots of roots down here in Memphis. Right. Seeing that it's, uh, I think it's like number three or number four in the nation for hottest places to actually get real estate because mm-hmm. it's so cheap here. Right. Yeah. So um, it's really big. You have some customers here, but they're actually based in like California and they're buying up apartment complexes. Very true. So we're trying to get more Memphis-based real estate developers on the platform since we know that we can help them with that ROI. But no, you bring up an interesting point, trying to get, you know, uh, more local real estate investors into the game and stuff like that. I know one of the big ones that I'm a big fan of around here is Castle Black. I actually went to school uh, with the founders there uh, at Castle Black. Uh, But why is that important to you? Why, you know, you know, we see developers who are purchasing these, uh, you know, from California and Nevada and all these other places. But why is it important for you for it to be local people here in that game, in that space? Because they actually understand the people here. So you live here, you eat here, you know who's down the street, you know what's needed. Like a lot of real estate developers here we speak to, they live down the street from us and they're in our same area. So they know, okay, I need to build so many houses but also have like lower toilets and lower uh or different types of tubs because right. this is a very older neighborhood we right. don't need a really fancy apartment complex right here and right. raise all the prices so that's really important to us to actually have real estate developers actually know the area in this area that makes sense because it's kind of like you know it's one thing to like look at a spreadsheet and like hey you know we can increase revenue by 15 percent if we do this as opposed to no, I know Mrs. Johnson uh, from around the corner and they're really good people. So uh, maybe we shouldn't raise it that much or whatever the case may be. My point is, is that like they're more a little bit more invested as opposed to just a dollar amount. Is that where you're getting mm-hmm. at? Gotcha. Yeah. Fair enough. Thank you. And I, I appreciate uh, you sharing that. Once again, Startup Nation, we're actually wrapping up uh, with Amber Hayes, founder and CEO of Second Keys, award winning entrepreneur and winner of uh, the 3686 uh, pitch competition 86. Uh, so I, I want to ask you this. Did you ever see yourself starting a company like when you were like, you know, earlier in uh, in school and as a teenager? Did you ever see yourself starting a company? Oh, yes. Oh, Many okay. companies gotcha. have a very big vision board. Gotcha. <laughs> That's all I would like to do. Gotcha. What's on that? But vision board? a software company? No. Oh, um, a couple of restaurants, a couple of different startups buildings really in agri- agriculture so i'm from mississippi gotcha. my parents like to they have an orchard and they're also working with like aquaponics mm. to help different communities because we're in a desert gotcha. you have to drive an hour in any direction to go to the grocery store right. so really to help rural communities is where all my ideas come gotcha. from gotcha thinking about building getting into some ag tech a little bit mm-hmm. gotcha okay Cool deal. Cool deal. So, you know, and, and you talked about restaurants. What kind of restaurants would you open? Is it just kind of like, you know, depending on, is it like a particular food genre? Is it like, you know, just a certain style of restaurant? What are you thinking? Oh, it's more of a certain style of restaurant. Okay. All of our restaurants now are just, you know, you just sit down and eat. And I like to travel. So I've seen a couple of different restaurants in like other countries and they're amazing. We have different tiers. There's a smoking section way at the top so it doesn't bother anybody at the bottom if you don't like to smoke. It has all types of little robots and things. So just more entertainment type of restaurant. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life.
This fresh coat of the Startup Life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexel series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time, which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top-notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, fill your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. Startup Nation, Swanson Health has been producing quality vitamins and supplements, foods, healthy home, and self-care products for over 50 years. Since 1969, from the heart of America, Swanson Health carries over 20,000 wellness products at a great value. Pick up all of your favorite health products, plus discover new ones for your wellness routine, all while leaving money in your pocket. If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code STARTUP20 for 20% off at swanson.com. We have a link there in the show notes if you listen to the replay. This episode of The Startup Life is powered by Colony Spark. Startup Nation, with our economy in flux, there is a lot of mixed messaging out there. If there was ever a time to take control of the narrative and let your customers know that you're here to serve them, it's now. And that's why you have a friend in Colony Spark. Colony Spark is an omni-channel marketing agency that believes in the power of community to ignite your business. They have helped companies across many industries with lead generation, revenue growth, and more to put them on the path to success. My guy Bill Murphy and his team are very good at what they do. How do I know this? Because not many SEO companies have the stamp of approval of being partnered with Google. Yes, that Google. So I want you to go to www.colonyspark.com forward slash startup to schedule a meeting today. In that meeting, you will review your current marketing activity, receive actionable advice on how to pivot and grow, and ask any marketing questions you may have on navigating over the next few months. Look, Startup Nation, I know things may seem uncertain right now, but if you are looking for a business partner that can help light the way, go with Colony Spark, where they firmly believe in business helping business. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. You know, Startup Nation, we've been covering uh, 3686, and they had a couple of pitch competitions that were actually here with the student uh, pitch competition winners uh, at 3686 Arms Cyber, which have created a new and more economical approach to cybersecurity for small and medium-sized businesses and government agencies look we hear all the time about data breaches and hacks and stuff like that so we're definitely interested and really raring to go to talk to these guys we have the co-founders tim pottinger brad pottinger patrick Massau, and the new ceo michael bryant big times what's going on fellas hey dominic how's it going hey, you know me man as always i am living a dream, man. So first, before I go any further, just want to say big shout out uh, to the Ketner Communications and Launch Tennessee for hooking up this conversation uh, with the guys at Arms Cyber today. So, you know, let's let's start this thing off right. So let's go with Tim. So, Tim, if you would, man, just kind of share the origin story of Arms Cyber, if you don't mind, please. Good, sir. Yeah, definitely. So myself and my uh, brother, Brad Pottiger, who's also here with us, uh-huh. we, uh, we, we started out in, um, I guess, an undergrad in computer engineering, where we learned about low-level programming languages like assembly and C. Mm -hmm. Um, And after that, we went on to uh, Vanderbilt for our graduate uh, studies, where we learned more about the impact of these programming languages with cyber-physical systems. So if a program fails, or even if it gets hacked, it can result in a uh, serious or catastrophic consequence. For instance, if you think of like the uh, uh, the, the major attack, Stuxnet, which took place in Iran, mm-hmm. where uh, basically a generic attack was just placed 
against a nuclear reactor, and it caused a devastating consequence in which, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I guess it just malfunctioned. Right. And we also recently saw like Stuxnet 2.0, but basically through attacks like that, they motiv motivated the field of cyber physical system studies where you have um, a structure called defense in depth. Mm. So you not only focus on the cyber component where you reduce vulnerabilities, but you focus on putting in resilience too. So even if the nuclear reactor got attacked, there will be these things called uh, interlocks or safety interlocks, which ensure that even if the nuclear reactor is told to do something malicious, it still is able to perform correctly. So with this, uh, with this concept called defense in depth, we, we kind of realized that we could add resilience at multiple layers for our enterprise customers. And we looked at the layers that enterprises currently have covered. And what they're, uh, uh, what they're covering currently is mainly the, um, the, the reactionary uh, tolerance level. Mm -hmm. So if you think of AI and machine learning, those and uh, detection systems and firewalls, those are the technologies that a lot of enterprise have uh, currently. But the issue there is that they're reactionary. So they're only effective if um, an attack already happens, gotcha. which is not, not really where you want to be. It's more economical if you put in uh, technologies at the prevention layer and elimination layer. And so those are the two layers that we sit at. So the elimination layer is getting rid of vulnerabilities in the first place. Gotcha. And the prevention layer is moving around vulnerabilities. So it becomes harder for an attacker to find where the vulnerabilities are. And that's called moving target defense. So we're combining those those two layers to provide an economical solution. Uh, and, and most of the moving target defense idea, it, it's, it's pretty new. Like before that came out, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, technologies in the space of uh, prevention. But Brad, he had a chance to work on it uh, throughout his dissertation, throughout his PhD studies, and found that there are actually some, a few companies trying to push it in the commercial sector, mm. but they weren't getting a lot of traction for the main reason that return on investment was hard to quantify. So typically return on investment, it's, it's simply thought of as how many vulnerabilities do you remove, like uh, elimination technologies. It's, it's simple. If you have 500 vulnerabilities, return on investment is usually how many can you get rid of? Can you get rid of 200, 300, or all of them? So, but moving target defense is a little bit different. How do you, uh, how do you quantify uh, the return on investment for how many you move? And so that just seemed to be something hard for people to understand, and they weren't getting it for the past four years that our, our competitors were trying to push the technology. So we thought that we could potentially bring a solution like moving target defense in combination with the, the elimination layer that people already understand in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in a form where we could also provide this new technology moving target defense to enterprise customers and just provide new value to them. Gotcha. And so, so since uh, since we realized that there might be some commercial value to this, we uh, went through pre-launch. Uh, that's basically this incubation class at uh, Vanderbilt University. It was taught by uh, Dina Medor at the Wondery, and they taught us about the business model canvas, and also, um, I guess, helped to help prepare us for the NSF I-Corps program. Uh, so through that class, we just learned how to do customer uh, discovery. Um, and then after that, that prepared us for the uh, I-Corps program. And the whole point of that is to do um, uh, cu uh, customer discovery with 100 prospective uh, clients. So that was new for us. We got out of the lab. We talked to uh, people all, all over the country. And I, I guess Mike and uh, Brad can talk more to that, too. I'll, I'll let them talk after after this, but uh, since the NSF i program, we were also in the Launch Tennessee Student Mentors uh, program, okay. where they also, uh, they, they helped us form some uh, some things that are important to, uh, I, I guess, the fruition of our company, like mission, vision, uh, corporate culture, right. and marketing strategies as well. And they, they, even, um, they even put us in contact with a branding uh, and marketing company. Uh, they're called ARO, and they're local in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And they actually revamped our website 
So now if you go to armcyber.com, you can see our uh, new and revamped website. We, we definitely recommend anyone uh, who wants to improve their uh, website look or want it to look fresh to, to also use ARO. And since then, we actually got into uh, a new or an accelerator called Catalyst. And now we're uh, also working on putting our technologies into uh, into space systems. So that's the most recent development in our, in our company. Gotcha. Thank you. But yeah, I guess that's the overview. Gotcha. No, I, I appreciate that. Appreciate that, Tim. So, Brad, let me ask you this, man. I want to follow up with something uh, that your brother Tim said because he talked about seeing that, that there was commercial value there. And I know you guys, I, I checked out the pitch competition. You're, you're part of the pitch competition. Uh, and I remember you guys were talking about some uh, some partnerships that you have with like F5 networks and stuff like that. Kind of talk about, you know, making that transition to seeing that value and then executing on that value. Yeah, definitely. Um, so going back to what Tim said, you know, a lot of our backgrounds are in academia and government. So mm-hmm. traditionally, you know, you go to conferences, you go, you speak on panels and you generally talk to PhDs. Now, when we went through i that was kind of an eye opener for us to kind of see, you know, that the, there's this whole new world of industry. So even though we spend all this time doing this research, mm-hmm. you know, we really need to convey the value. We need to get down to the customer's perspective and say, you know, this is the, this is why you need this. This is the return on investment. So when we have these novel cybersecurity technologies, you know, they can understand the value. So a lot of what we're starting with, obviously there's the government side and, and, you know, me and Tim's backgrounds, we, we have an extensive experience in government. Um, But one of the things we want to do with this company is we don't want to silo the technology in government. So that's usually what happens a lot of the time. We want to be able to, you know, get out of government and actually help the private sector. Because when you look at these nation state attacks, they're very, you know, they're starting to ramp up. You're seeing 148% increase in ransomware attacks now with, with the COVID pandemic that's going on. Right. And usually it's these private industry startups that are becoming victims to these. And so when this government gets hacked, you know, they respond. But when these startups get hacked, you know, they go bankrupt. They, you know, their company shuts down. Um, so we really want to help them protect themselves so that we can increase our national security. Now, when we're getting into the initial customer um, relationships that we've had so far, right. this is kind of what we're using to get into the private sector. We're starting to look at business to developer as well as business to develop business to be able to partner with platform as a service companies to be able to increase our speed to market. So we partnered with a couple of companies within Nashville. And we're also looking beyond Nashville to kind of look at a more national scale for some of our pilot programs that are going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the ability is, you know, increase their security and build new security features, leveraging our technology that then they can be able to white label within their products, as well as allow us to pilot our technology with a mass market. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, Patrick, I'm going to kick this one over to you, my man, because I want to ask you this, because, you know, when we talk about, you know, cybersecurity and data breaches and stuff like that, we always hear about the big companies, right? And small businesses are like, well, I'm not that big. I'm not that important. I don't need to get any type of security and stuff like that. Make the case uh, as to why that's still important to a small business owner as well. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that you have to think about in cybersecurity is most people don't think about it until it becomes a problem. Facts. And on, on a national scale, like at these big companies, if you have a cybersecurity breach, you typically have the funds allocated in order to deal with the breach and then improve your systems. But if you're at a small, if you're a small-sized company and you have a cybersecurity attack, and usually, if like, let's say it's the case of ransomware, the cybersecurities can literally run you into the ground. So there's a higher risk for um, basically total total failure for smaller sized companies. The other thing is, if when you think about it, large companies already invest a lot of money in cybersecurity. So for them, cybersecurity isn't something that they worry on the background, but it's something that they definitely keep in the fore, forefront of um, their minds. The other thing is when you're a small company, you typically have most of your resources allocated into generating a profitable profitable business. 
and cybersecurity is typically on the back burner. Whereas these big companies, you have an entire department that is seeking to make sure that your assets are secure. So I'd say in the context of smaller companies, you, our technology is increasingly important in that it allows you the freedom to continue investing your efforts into generating profitable businesses, but at the same time, you are not left to the devices of the attackers who can exploit you to pretty much financial ruin. So I guess in the, in the case of small businesses, this is paramount, especially right. as we're transitioning into a place where cybersecurity attacks have increased by over 140% in the last couple of months. Um, and increasingly, more and more of our businesses are going online. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, Patrick, I'm actually going to stay with you because you just jogged my uh, my brain here. And I want to ask you something really quickly, because, you know, as we, you know, you saying that, you know, attacks are kind of ramping up uh, and, and in this era of, of covid, I imagine a lot of people got a lot of time on their hands. And one of the things about people who have uh, ill intentions is that they can kind of get even more creative with a little bit of time on their hands. So I guess I'm curious because you're the CTO of the company. How do you stay ahead of, you know, those people with those ill intentions with their product? Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, that's kind of at the core of what we're trying to do here. Fair enough. It's because mostly the odds are in favor of attackers at this moment. Mm-hmm. Typically, the way we, the current state of, uh, current state of the art cybersecurity defenses, they're reactionary. So you really rely on different strategies to detect symptoms of attack and then you mitigate those threats. But all during, for an attacker to be successful, they need to have in-depth knowledge of the system. But our system, we disrupt that effort by continuously randomizing the system. So the hacker and all these people who have extra time on their hands cannot gain this knowledge because at the core thing, the core key of our technology is we increase the amount of effort an attacker needs to have in order to gain knowledge of your system. So basically, the way we stay on front is by making it increasingly difficult for the attacker to gain knowledge of your system. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Michael, I haven't forgotten about you, man. Just hold tight, okay? I, no I worries. I'm here. Okay. No worries. All right, gotcha. So guys, you know, so you guys won the uh, the uh, the competition, the pitch competition at 3686. First of all, congratulations. Well done. So kind of tell me, walk me through the process of preparing for uh, the pitch competition. Did you get a pitch coach? Did you, how did you decide that, you know, uh, Patrick was kind of going to make the pitch? If you will kind of walk me through that, if you don't mind. So, yeah. So basically we started last year where, you know, after about a month in, you know, working with the Wondry, we actually pitched last year at the student edition as well. Okay. And and I guess I was the lucky uh, winner to be volunteered to speak in front of the crowd. (laughs) Um, But you know, really, we took the year, we we prepared as far as, you know, the go-to-market strategy for our company, and we've made a lot of progress in terms of, you know, the actual company part. Now, this year, when we started going and doing pitch prep again, we spent a lot of time with the Vanderbilt Wondry, um, who provided us mentors for pitch coaching, as well as, you know, gotcha. how to craft a pitch deck, both for, you know, competitions like these, as well as investors. Uh, Lost Tennessee also provided us the ability to participate in a program called um, Student Mentor Networks. And so we spent a lot of time working with Morgan Dent and Allie Nichols mm-hmm. to be able to practice our pitch in front of different panelists that they brought in every month. Um, so that was able to give us a lot of practice to be able to, you know, really, really refine, refine our communications, refine our value prop. Um, and I guess in terms of uh, the reason why Patrick pitched, um, we think he's the best communicator out of all of us. Okay. Uh, basically, the three of us are all engineers. So, you know, being able to do the public relations thing, you know, I think Patrick's the best at speaking to crowds. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I, I appreciate that. I, I do know that uh, engineers a lot of times are kind of conscientious introverts. Uh, <laughs> so I can definitely uh, understand that as well. Uh, you know, I'm um, actually, let's go back to Patrick really quickly. So Patrick, man, let me ask you this, man. Was there any point in the competition where you're like, you know what? I got this in the bag, man. Like we about to get this bag. We're going to get this money. Was there any point in time, man, where you just kind of knew uh, where you was in the flow and you just kind of felt like, you know, with the questions that were being asked of you that you just kind of felt like, you know what? I think we may have a good shot at this. <laughs> 
it's it's very easy for me to say that on the back end. <laughs> Fair having, enough. <laughs> results. Um, but I, I I guess we were very confident in the in our in our product for sure. And throughout this competition, we've just been working really on refining our message, refining the way we communicate what we're doing. Um, and I think around the time where we were pitching, it all kind of came together. So we were very confident. And when we even were in the middle of the pitch competition, when we were talking with the judges, mm-hmm. one of the things for me that was most exciting is that when we got to the end of our pitch, the judges didn't have very many questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, that is uh, one of the greatest successes we've had in, our, in the last couple of months, because for once we had communicated to the judges our product and at the end of um, that communication, they didn't ask us, what are you guys talking about? Right. Um, and for us, I think that was one of the most exciting things. So I guess if I could say that there was a time where I was like, yeah, I think we have this in the bag. It was right then when we realized we've actually conveyed our message and all the great work that the people who've been mentoring us over the last couple of months had come to fruition. For sure. And I think that's important to, you know, uh, when you talk about mentors, like, you know, Startup Nation, we talk about this all the time where, you know, a lot of times those mentors that we have, they've been they've been on the path uh, that we're trying to get to. Right. And so they can share valuable uh, insight as well. Um, and thank you for that answer, Patrick. The reason I wanted to ask that, because uh, a is exactly like you said, when I when I was looking at the pitch competition, they really didn't have uh, too many questions. But B, one of the questions they asked was, hey, so what are you going to do with the money? For me, that was a tail signs like they might have this one. So I appreciate uh, you sharing <laughs> that for sure. So uh, let me kick it back over to Tim real quick. So Tim, now you have this company, you just won this pitch competition and now you're raring to go. And so you guys just appointed a uh, new CEO, Michael Bryan, who we're going to get to in a second. So talk, walk me through the process of finding the right person to kind of lead arms, uh, arm cyber to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, uh, certainly. So, uh, Actually, we met um, Mike last year right before the 3686 competition, mm-hmm. and uh, him along with um, Stryker Warren were good mentors to us for putting together the pitch uh, for, for that competition. And ever since then, I, I think we, uh, we, we really hit it off with, um, with, with Mike, and he's been there uh, for us ever since that competition, right. uh, so, so, so is Stryker. But uh, Mike was... Um, our mentor through i so we kind of put him through like a a trial a, a trial run to see how Fair we all enough. worked together uh-huh. to make sure that we were a, a good fit he was our uh there there are three roles for the i program and it was a business mentor tech mentor and entrepreneurial lead so i was the lead uh for for the i program but mike was uh critical to our success uh for that program and it was it was mainly because uh, we, we had set up a pipeline to ensure that we got uh, the needed 15 interviews every single day. And uh, Mike was responsible for getting the, uh, the, um, the interviews like for, for that week. I was responsible for um, following through with the interviews and conducting them each, each day. And right. Brad was responsible for getting like the, the big wigs, like the very cool um, uh, customer interview, prospective customer interviews. For instance, one of our uh, prospective customer interviews was with like a uh, uh, NX Microsoft um, uh, strategy officer who who used to work uh, near Bill Gates. So that was that was pretty cool. Just in general, the people Absolutely. we got to meet. But um, yeah, so it was like a six week program. We would talk every day. We would put together um, presentations about the business, uh, the business model of our company, and. Yeah, we, we couldn't have done it without Mike. And ever since then, uh, we've just been having daily meetings every day. He's become uh, fantastic at presenting our uh, message and things about our company. And he's also been good at uh, uh, le- leading the uh, calls with respective customers now. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. So, Michael, man, let me holler at you real quick. So, you know, you got this arm, you know, this uh, this company, Arm Cyber, and they've appointed you CEO. But before we move any further, man, tell me about why you thought it was a good fit for on your side. Why was it a good fit for you to kind of fill that role for them? 
Yeah. So like they had said, I was at the, at the time I was the director for the Center for Entrepreneurship at Vanderbilt. And so mm-hmm. our job is to help launch companies out of Vanderbilt. And so I had been there for about three and a half years. And, you know, we come across a lot of companies. And um, when I started working with that team, uh, it was, you know, the, the talent level and how smart they are was uh, unsurpassed. And that's not to take anything away from the other startups that we had worked with right. um, on campus, but uh, just very, very impressed with Brad and Tim with, uh, with their chops and what they had already accomplished. And, and also one of the main things is that uh, Nashville is a very entertainment and healthcare focused uh, city. And so we see a ton of healthcare and a ton of entertainment uh, and we don't see a ton of national defense and cybersecurity. And my background before, uh, you know, I've been out of the military for about 10 years now, but I was in the military back from 2006 to 10. And so kind of national security um, defense uh, is, you know, near and dear to my heart. And, you know, not only did we have one of those companies come through, uh, but again, going back to, you know, what they'd already accomplished and what they're trying to do. So it, it very much stuck out with me that, you know, this is uh, something that uh, was very interesting. It's, you know, again, you know, fighting the Russians on, on in the cyber realm, which is, you know, very different than mm-hmm. um, some of the other companies that come through. And so right. we started, you know, working with, working together um, in the sense uh, through our center, helping mentor them and then through i um, and then it just made sense as this company is, you know, I, I believe it and it's going to go very far. And so it made sense. And, you know, like you had mentioned before, you know, Brad, Tim and Patrick more on the engineering side are, are not super interested in uh, certain aspects of uh, building the business. Right. That, uh, and so, you know, it made sense to bring on someone on the business side and, uh, and it was just a natural kind of um, flow to that. And so uh, it's worked out well. And, uh, you know, like I said, we get along well and uh, looking forward to big, big things in the future. For sure. And I, I speak on behalf of all of our radio partners at Military Broadcast Radio uh, to say thank you for your service, uh, Michael. I really appreciate, no, appreciate uh, what you've done for this country. I really appreciate that for sure. So uh, I want to ask you this, man. So like, you know, we, we just wrapped up this pitch competition. You're, you know, you're the newly appointed CEO. So what's next for armed cyber? Where do you see armed cyber uh, in the security space? Cause I imagine that it's probably getting a little crowded because of all the, you know, uh, the, the data breaches and the perception of data breaches and security hacks and stuff like that. What's, what's the next step? Absolutely. You know, what's the next step for armed cyber in your opinion? So the next step for us is, uh, obviously working with the government because a mm-hmm. lot of this technology was born out of Brad and Tim's uh, government background right. um, the problem that they were trying to solve. Uh, a lot of these, these breaches, you know, they were working for uh, the government to try to fix them. And so right now we're working to get that technology back into the government. Um, they're wanting to see dual use. Uh, that's the new thing that they don't want to be, have solely government only technologies. So right now, as we are building out our private sector, uh, customer pipeline, we're looking at those small to medium businesses, uh, which has a shorter sales cycle and then always, and then the government, which is a longer sales cycle to get in there. And that's, that's obviously one of our focuses. Um, as Tim mentioned earlier, we got into a accelerator that's run by the government jointly with Booz Allen Hamilton, uh, for cybersecurity for space applications. Wow. So we'll be going over the next 12 weeks, working very, very closely with, uh, air force satellites, uh, their cyber realm and all that. Uh, that comes along with that. Uh, and once we finish that, the goal is to, you know, SBIRs, STTRs, grant funding, and then also government contracts with uh, with the DOD and the intelligence community. As we are also, you know, that technology can just as easily be used at on the private side as well. And so, um, you know, but the big goal is, you know, F-35s, you know, Tomahawk missiles, you know, we, last thing you want is to press fire on one of those things. And then it turns around and comes right back at you because the Russians have already you know, been inside that system for a year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that really quickly, Michael, just, you know, so, you know, you're the newly appointed CEO. So the, but the co-founders they've, they've been there since kind of day one, even though you were there, you know, as well, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, through the past and stuff like that. But as the CEO, you kind of take on a different role, a different relationship with the guys here, kind of talk about what that culture uh, is going to be from now moving forward, that, that company culture, that internal culture. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's a ton of change that, you know, it's official in the sense that, you know, going through I-Corps in the spring, you know, I was doing a lot of that business side of stuff. So I wouldn't say that necessarily there's going to be, you know, it's not like, you know, starting tomorrow, you know, Mike comes in and, you know, 
you know, pointing at my watch saying, you guys are late. It's 801. It's not <laughs> fair. It's enough. not like that <laughs> gotcha. uh, because we've worked together for, for long enough that, um, you know, kind of how we work and, you know, things we like and things we don't like. So that cohesiveness uh, so, is already kind of yeah, in place. It, it's kind of already there, I think, gotcha. you know, and it just became, you know, I, I was doing a lot of those things, helping the company out before, but then it was just kind of like, all right, like, you know, having the day job at, you know, Vanderbilt running the center for entrepreneurship. Then it was just like, well, you know, it, it needs more of my time, which, you know, that'd be unfair to, you know, <laughs> be spending all of my time, you know, with, with these guys when there's other, you know, teams at Vanderbilt. So then that's when it just made the natural progression to, you know, take the, take the leap and uh, quit the day job and then, you know, and then go for it. So for sure, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, if you want to check out uh, Arm Cyber, we have a website there in the show notes. If you listen to the replay on the podcast and if you listen on radio, it's armscyber.com. Fairly simple enough. Once again, we're actually wrapping up with Tim Pottinger, Brad Pottinger, Brad, Patrick Massau, and Michael Bryant of Arm Cyber. Guys, you know, let me go back to Brad really quickly. Just kind of talk about what it's like uh, building a company with your brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the first question we get is always, you know, how many arguments do you have with your twin brother? Um, but but honestly, it's, it's been awesome because okay. one of the things you learn is, you know, you're spending a ton of time with these people. And so obviously they need to be technically capable, but I think more than anything, you need to get along. These are going to become, you know, your best friends, your, you know, your family when you're actually building this up because you're spending, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours a day on this type of work. So, so really like starting off having somebody you trust and having somebody that you've been able to work with, you know, for the past 20 plus years. Right. Um, you know, has is really, really important to to at least me starting off, having like, you know, that partner in crime, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and additionally, Patrick as well, you know, we've we've been best friends with him for you know the past three or four years. So so really, you know, starting off with this core, you know, personnel that you know have been working a ton together, have right. been, you know, relying on each other, have been trusting each other. Um, so when you go into battle, you know, you, you're coming prepared. You're, you know, your brothers are right next to you and you know, you can count on them. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, Patrick, let me ask you this, man. Talk about, you know, uh, how, you know, going to Vanderbilt, you know, I know we talked about, you know, Michael, uh, having that position there at, at Vandy and stuff like that. Talk about how important Vandy has been on your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Vanderbilt has been one of the best experiences I've had for myself. Um, mostly because when I first came to Vanderbilt, um, just started my PhD program, um, and I had no idea about anything to do within the entrepreneurial space. Gotcha. Um, so basically when I first came in, I remember Brad told me uh, in his final year that he was going to do this entrepreneurial program at Vanderbilt called Prelaunch. Mm. So just across the hall, we had went to the Innovation Center, and there I took my first entrepreneurial class and it completely changed my outlook on the way um, technologies are developed and how we develop them and even how we communicate. But not only that, uh, Vanderbilt just had an incredible network of mentors who were always willing to give you their time, give you their advice, um, as well as connect you to people who would prove fruitful in your entrepreneurial journey. So in terms of that, Vanderbilt... All the folks at the Wondry, Dino Meter, and right. all the other folks there have been quite huge. And particularly in my case, I think Vanderbilt has been also uh, very key in that I'm an international student. So the things I'm allowed to do are, are completely different from your regular American. So I'm limited in terms of that capacity. But within the academy, I still have the opportunity to develop uh, applications that have um, market applications. And this is one of the greatest applications of that. So it's been very interesting to be able to work on my PhD full time and also see um, the impacts of what I'm doing for my PhD program in the real world. So Vanderbilt in that case has been world class and 
Um, I really can't thank them enough. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And before I ask the last question, I'm actually going to kick it over to Michael for the last question. I'm just going to say thank you so much, guys, for coming on the show. I really appreciate uh, your time and I wish you much success. Once again, congratulations on winning the uh, the student pitch competition there uh, at 36. 86. But Michael, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you. But at the end of every session of the show, we always ask uh, for our leaders to kind of give us some words of encouragement, especially right now with the world pandemic and everything else going on. Kind of give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind. Good, sir. Yeah, um, I would just say that, you know, we say this to our students every day is, um, you know, find something you're passionate about. Find something that you know, when you spend half of your waking hours, you know, for the next 30 years of your life, it better be something that you'd like to do because there's always going to become a day when if you hate your job, doesn't matter how much money they pay you, you're always going to say to yourself, they don't pay me enough to do this. And, you know, uh, I got nothing but respect for the people that love to skydive and go start a skydiving business. And, you know, with what we're doing here, um, you know, the national defense realm, you know, we, all of us love waking up in the morning, you know, protecting us from, you know, foreign adversaries. And, you know, I just encourage everyone to go find something that, uh, that they love to do. And, you know, something that people have to tell you to turn your computer off. So you go to sleep rather than, you know, having a job that, uh, you know, you can't wait for 5 PM so you can turn your computer off and, you know, do something else. So just encourage someone, this is the time to start that side business and, you know, go find, you know, something on Shopify and start selling it. And next thing you know, be your own boss. So. I hear that. Thank you so much. And that's going to wrap up this session of The Startup Life. Once again, we want to thank Tim Potaker, Brad Potaker, Patrick LaSalle, and Michael Bryant. And Startup Nation, as always, if you have an idea, be about that life, The Startup Life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on The Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. You have-